everybody. It's your uh, man of the match, Parmizahi. Also, your host of the African Fiveside podcast. I'm the man of the match because I got my two predictions right today. Hold on, let me turn off this mic. Uh, Angola beat, uh, sorry, Nigeria beat Angola 1 0 to qualify to the semifinals. And then uh, DRC just beat Guinea 3 1 uh, to also get to the semifinals. Happy my predictions came true. Welcome to another episode of the African Five Aside Podcast. My name is Meher Mazahi. I'm your host. And this podcast is brought to you, like always, uh, africasacountry.com. Uh, and today we're just going to do a quick recap of these quarterfinal matches. I personally was at, and I currently still am at, the Stade Félix Oufoué Boigny uh, in the conference room. Let me just uh, show you what that might look like. This is where the players will come and do a press conference after the match. They'll just be over here. The journalists will be over here and the players will be sitting where I'm sitting. I wish all these people sponsored our podcast, but that's not the case. And so we came here to uh, the Stade Felix Oufoué Boigny to watch Angola versus Nigeria. It was kind of what we expected. Uh, neither side made any changes to their starting lineups except for uh, Angola's goalkeeper, Neblu, who was, of course, suspended because of his red card. Uh, Nigeria came in with their 5-2-3. The coach calls it a 3-4-3. I'm more comfortable calling it a 5-2-3. Um, same team, Angola, 4-3-3, same team. And so what we knew about these sides coming into this match was that neither of them really liked possession of the ball, right? And I think we saw that transpire in the first half. It was a pretty boring first half. I think uh, Angola had a chance via corner kick, which was one of their main strengths in this tournament is that they've scored a lot of goals via corner kicks and set pieces. Nigeria, I think, had one or two chances, but nothing crazy. The first half was really tame, cagey. Uh, neither side was really pressing high up, high up on, in, on the pitch. They were mostly sitting in those medium blocks or those low blocks. And it wasn't until uh, early in the second half, I believe, that Nigeria got their first goal. Was it in the first half or in the second? Or beginning of the second half? Not 100% sure. Um, let me see if I can double check that real quick. Uh, it was just before the end of the first half, in the 41st minute. And it comes from, again, Nigeria, they've only conceded one goal in this tournament. They sit back. They, they don't press. They kind of sit back. They're, not, they're comfortable on the ball. It's not like they hate having the ball. But they're going to sit back, and as soon as they get the ball, if you're out of position, they're going to play vertically, you know, behind the line. And that's exactly what happened. We had uh, Zaidu Sanusi play a ball to the wing that Moses Simon latches onto. And Kelonda Gaspar, the Angolan center half, is pulled out of position, but Simon gets there first, and as he gets there first, you're like, as soon as you knew, as soon as he got there first, it's like, oh, this is trouble. And Simon, you know, carries the ball towards goal. And here you have two Nigerian players making a run. You have Victor Osiman, who does a great job. If you haven't seen this yet, look at the run he makes. It's a very, very unselfish run because he knows he has two Angolan defenders on him, and he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, the, the easy run there is to sort of. Maybe fake a run towards goal and then withdraw yourself, create a little bit of space and knock it in. But what he does is he drags those two Angolan defenders with him to the second post. And Adamola Luckman very, very intelligently finds the space near the penalty spot. Uh, Moses Simon slots it back to him and Adamola, Adamola Luckman finishes. And three goals for him in this tournament. I think we've discovered in Adamola Luckman that we didn't see before with the Nigerian national team. This is, you know, this was him at Atalanta last year. Uh, he's in great form, and him and Simon, I think, are really, really enjoying this new role of theirs in this 3-4-3 formation where they're playing closer to Osiman uh, and using that interchange and less, you know, uh, hugging the touchline. 
Um, the second half, we knew Angola was going to be on the ball. Again, because Nigeria don't really want the ball, and now Angola have to chase. Um, and to be fair to Angola, I thought they did well. Honestly, like Gilberto was a little dangerous. Uh, Jelson Dalla, remember one of the matchups we were thinking about prior to the match was Jelson Dalla against Ola Aina. I thought Jelson Dalla was a little bit quiet today. Now, is that a question of Aina completely marking him out of the match? I don't think so. I think it might have been fatigue. Um, Pedro Gonçalves, after the match, where I'm sitting right here, he was speaking to the press and he said, you know, we've played in three different cities and Nigeria have only stayed in Abidjan. And he said, we thought... I thought that really affected the players today, and we were over-fatigued. And I thought, you know, as Angola were pushing in the second half, and they were pushing with a lot of energy, they did seem a little bit tired at times. Like a player like Jelson Dalla, I think, even though he missed the... Sorry about that. Even though, he missed... <laughs> even though he missed the first match of this tournament, I thought he, he did seem a little bit fatigued. Um, Mabalulu was okay. Uh, one of these mics is on. Hold on. There you go. Uh, Mabalulu was okay, but he wasn't creating any kind of real uh, danger. I thought the one player that did create danger and that was really well utilized when he came on was Zito Lovumbu. Uh, not so much as the, the striker as he played prior to this tournament, but more on the right wing. Uh, I think he found space, he cut in. Just his delivery let him down once or twice. But... He provided something different that Angola didn't have before. I thought it was interesting that Pedro Gonçalves also brought Freddie off. Freddie is a player that has three assists in this tournament, and you know he's really the most probably progressive midfielder that Angola have. Uh, so for him to hook Freddie off, and Freddie wasn't happy about that. Uh, I don't know, it was an interesting decision, but maybe he's also thinking about fatigue, as, as I mentioned before. So yeah, uh, look, Nigeria, let me read out some statistics. Uh, they only had 45% possession of the ball, which is very consistent with what they've been doing throughout this tournament. Uh, 13 total shots. Victor Osimhen, four shots. And it's one of those, again, where they're squeezing the ketchup bottle, but he just, he has no luck, this guy. Uh, with that run in the first half for Adam Luckman's goal, you see he's helping create goals, even though he's not scoring. But in the second half, he goes up for a header off of a free kick, scores, and he's, you know, like maybe just a few centimeters offside. I feel for Victor, you know, because he's doing everything he can and the team is benefiting. He's just not scoring. But again, where I'm sitting right here after the match, Moses Simon was man of the match. And he said that, you know, nobody really cares who scores in this Nigerian team. We're, we're all just happy to be winning and to be uh, moving on. So, yeah, I thought, you know, this was pretty much Nigeria's game plan. 45% uh, possession. They create 13 shots from it. Angola had 55% possession. They only create 10 shots from it. Uh, Nigeria have more shots on target. Uh, more big chances. Um, Angola just have more corners. So, yeah, overall, I think this was really Nigeria's game plan. They're yet to only concede one goal in this tournament, and that's that's very impressive. I remember when Algeria won in 2019, I think they'd only conceded two goals. And so when you defend well in these tournaments and you create many chances, even though they're not scoring many of them yet, um, I mean, that's a recipe for success for Nigeria. They're the bookies' favorites. I think it's probably uh, justified and deserved now. So, uh, now it's going to be, they're going to be waiting to see who qualifies from, uh, from the other uh, quarterfinal between Cape Verde and South Africa. Now let's talk about the second match of the day, uh, DRC versus Guinea. Uh, hold on a second. DRC versus Guinea. Um, this was a match coming into it where we said 
DRC concedes the least amount of shots, even though they, they haven't really played ultra-attacking sides. And Guinea uh, creates the least amount of shots. So that wasn't the recipe for you know success. And I did think that, despite the fact that when they're playing in Ibimpe, they have so many Guinean fans that they can create that kind of home atmosphere. I did think that DRC were going to win by more than one goal. Um, I was sweating in the first opening minutes of the match because Mohamed Bayo uh, gets barged into by Sean Salimban. But it was maybe a little bit of a soft penalty, but I do think it was a penalty. Uh, and Guinea convert their penalty kick. Um, Guinea actually impressed me. They created more chances than I thought they would in the first 30 minutes of this match. And, and we talked about you know the selection dilemma that the coach Kabadiawara might have. He decides to go into this match with mo most of his trusted players. Uh, Nabi Keita, Amadou Diawara. Um, I think that was an interesting point uh, decision from him, but it was probably the right decision. I think they played decent matches. Agib Agibu Kamara played really, really well again. He's a, such a good AFCON player. You know, um, a player that plays for, I think, Atromitos in Greece. Never watched him ever in the club career, but I doubt he plays as well as he plays with Guinea. Otherwise, he'd be at a different club. i got to stop swinging like this. Um, who else? Who else? Uh, DRC kind of grew into this match, and Chancel Mbemba equalized, you know, before 30 minutes were played with a great, great goal. I mean, uh, I think it was Bongonda who puts the corner kick in, um, and... It goes over everyone's head. Mbemba controls and finishes with the left foot. Makes up for the fact that he conceded the penalty kick. Um, so a great job for, for by, by Mbemba as a captain of the team, making up for his own mistake. Uh, so we go to halftime. I, I believe it was 1-1 one, uh, one at halftime, which was, I think, a pretty logical scoreline. Uh, in the second half... DRC get their version of a soft penalty, but it was a penalty, right? And this is all an individual effort from Silas Katompa, who goes on like a 50-yard run, and he gets clipped by Janvier, um, and he wins a penalty, you know, as he was running and bearing down on goal. And this time it's Yoan Wisa, who uh, I don't like this when players stutter in the run-up to penalties, but he does that and slots in the penalty um, with conviction. And they even do the fimbu, fimbu, Pimbo dance after, so it was cool to see that. When's the last time we saw not an, a national team, like a, a nation, have a goal-scoring celebration? Because this started in 2017. None of the players from 2017, except for maybe Mbemba, are still playing for DRC, or at, at least starting for DRC. But this celebration just became a national thing. I don't, I don't remember the last time we had you know, a national celebration uh, in football. But I love it. And then finally, as uh, Guinea starts to open up, Arthur Masuaku off of a free kick. I don't think he meant to do this on purpose. Uh, others in the, press, in the press room here in the media center do believe that he did it on purpose. But he hits a free kick. I think he was trying to cross it, but he ends up getting topspin on the ball. And it surprises the goalkeeper and, and finds its way in. And, and DR Congo win 3-1. It was deserved because... I thought Guinea had the stronger 30 minutes, and they created more chances than I thought they would in those 30 minutes. But as soon as Mbemba equalized, I think DRC had a stronghold on uh, a, a, a foothold on the match. And even in the second half, they were they practically controlled the entire second half. Even when they scored the goals, you would think that Guinea would be galvanized. Uh, Kabadiwa made some subs. He threw on Conde. He threw on uh, Abdullah Traore, I believe. Um, but even when he threw on the subs, I mean, they didn't really make a difference. He threw on uh, Abdullah Touri, sorry, and Ciro Girassi. 
didn't really make a difference at all. So overall, I think a uh, logical win for DRC and uh, another great night of African football. So DRC now awaits the winner of Mali versus Cote d'Ivoire tomorrow in Boaké and Nigeria awaits the winner of South Africa versus uh, Cape Verde, uh, which is going to take place in Yamoussoukro. I'm going to leave it there for tonight. I think we've done our 15 minutes. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.